0: Good morning and welcome to Live City Church. We're so glad that you get to be part of our online family. And if you're new to Live City Church, please make sure to let yourself uh, be known. Just type on the chat and our people would love to say hello to you. Well, this morning, I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew and chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. With the way that COVID has been... Ex- it seems to be outstaying. It's welcome. <laughs> never, it was ever welcome. Well, I, I was thinking by August, we'd be back into business. Everything would be normal. I mean, that's already five months, but now we're, we're not going on to seven months. It's October. We started back in March. Most of the year is gone, and a lot of people's lives are in turmoil, and many people are asking the question around the world today, are we in end times? Is this a time for doom and gloom? Is this the end of the world Many Christians are asking the question, is this the time of the tribulation? And there's been a lot of pastors out there preaching various gospels and non-pastors and everyone saying, hey, you know, this is it. We're in the end times. But uh, as we turn to today's scripture, you find that, look, It is coming, but we're not there yet. We're a long way off yet. And uh, I'm reminded of this as I've been teaching an End Times class. And if you missed out on the End Times class, but you'd like to join, uh, we'll start a new group for you. So make sure that you email me, connect at livecitychurch.com. Hopefully that bought you enough time. Let's read together Matthew chapter 24, and we're reading from verse 4. The question that was posed uh, just prior to this was, when will the end come? Jesus' disciples are asking the same question many of you are asking right now. When will the end come? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen But the end is still to come. So let's just piece that little bit together for a moment. So Jesus is saying, you are going to hear about wars. You are going to hear about rumors of wars. It is going to happen. In fact, we've seen wars already take place. We've had two great world wars, but still the end hasn't come. There's many more uh, wars yet that's happened since that time and many more yet to come. And you'll see these things on Facebook. People are posting it, and we're seeing that the world is in such turmoil. People are getting uh, angry, and we saw with Black Lives Matter, a lot of people were able to put some expression to that anger in different ways. I'm not saying it's good or bad, I'm just putting it out there. But also, we'll find that as economies are collapsing, that countries are going to be looking at other countries in not such a delightful way. And we can indeed see a time when there will be wars and rumors of wars. In fact, Jesus is saying there'll be people that will come like an antichrist, saying, I am the Christ. And he's saying, look at this here. He's saying, don't be alarmed. He's saying, because all these things are the beginning of birth pains, kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation, it still isn't the end times. In fact, there's going to be a lot of prophecies yet to be fulfilled before we reach the end times. We know, for one, the Bible says, until this gospel is preached to the whole planet, there's still many people on the planet that have not yet heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hard to believe, but that's true. Also, we know that uh, there will be a temple that will be rebuilt, the third temple in Jerusalem. So that hasn't happened yet. But in saying that, the rabbis have already made a lot of the utensils that will be used in temple sacrifice and just waiting for that thing to be built. It will be built, but it's still not there yet. That prophecy is not yet fulfilled. Jesus said, then, so after all these things have happened, nation against nation, wars and rumors of wars, antichrists, he says, then, You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Notice those words, many. Many false prophets, many deceived because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. I looked up that word wickedness, and in Strong's, it's the word iniquity. So iniquity is knowing the difference between right and wrong, between good and evil, and choosing to do evil, choosing to do wrong anyway. In October 8th of, oh, so that's this month, George Barna released a report and by the Cultural Research Center of Arizona Christian University, and they came up with this troubling conclusion. They said that American Christians are undergoing a post-Christian reformation. So this is unlike the Protestant Reformation, whose goal was to return people to the foundational teachings of the Bible. This is quite the opposite. Americans are redefining biblical beliefs according to secular values. If you're scratching your head thinking, what on earth are you talking about, Pastor Paul? What it's saying is this, is that in today's world, what's happening right now is that people are interpreting Scripture in light of current culture. So they're trying to change Scripture to, to fit in with culture. And what uh, Barn is saying, it certainly seems as if the culture is influencing the church more than the church is influencing the culture. Jesus predicted this. He said, many will turn away from the faith. I remember a year ago, preaching messages and drawing it to our, uh, to our church's uh, attention, the fact that there were several church leaders that had fallen away from the Lord. I mean, entirely and completely. One guy left his mega church and went and joined an LGBTQ rally. He it totally lost his way, completely going, uh, counterculture. culture uh, oh, sorry, not counterculture. culture counter-biblical to what the Lord tells us to do. But think about this. If they rejected Jesus, then what indeed are they embracing? Because you can't embrace Jesus and embrace something else. You have to reject him to embrace something else. What are we embracing? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Jesus is warning us that it's very easy for the church to fall into deception, for a Christian, a follower of Jesus, to fall into deception. It happened back then. And it will happen today. And we have seen many cults rise and fall in the 20th century, particularly we see many from the 70s and 80s had a lot of fame because there were multiple deaths that went on. We're talking about Jim Jones, you know, with hundreds of people there in that compound that were killed. And, you know, incidentally, it's interesting, though, in the 70s and 80s, as much as there were uh, a lot of cults that were rising in that time, indeed there was also a revival that broke out. We we called it we call it now the Jesus movement. So where we saw lots of hippies coming off the drugs and being just radically changed, radically impacted by the power of God. I want to see a day in our church where it's no longer just about clever preaching. I'm, I mean, praise God, we've got uh, wise teachers in the church. That's great. But more than anything, the cry of our heart is that we would have the Holy Spirit in our midst. That even as we're preaching, the Holy Spirit is moving into every home, into every car, wherever this message is being heard, and the power of God is coming upon that person in that room. Oh, that we would see that day when the gospel is preached and people are so impacted and moved by the power of the Holy Spirit that they're left weeping in their chairs. I remember days growing up in the 70s and 80s, during that time of revival, I was just a kid, where people are running to the altar because they were so impacted by their sin and the Holy Spirit was calling them to to righteousness and to holiness, to a life that is sanctified and changed by the power of the gospel. Jesus himself said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. But I am encouraged by this, that as many are drawn to apostasy, apostasy is a falling away from the Word of God. It's a moving away from it. As many as are drawn to apostasy, I'm encouraged that many will be drawn to Christ. If you can agree with that, say amen in the chat. We need to pray for revival to come. In fact, we've got our prayer team every Tuesday and Thursday morning. We are praying for revival. In fact, there are churches in the nations around the world globally praying and believing God, that at the end of the COVID period, that during this time right now, God is doing a preparation, but at the end, there'll be a mighty move of God. And can you join with me in that kind of prayer to believe God that the power of the, of, of the Holy Spirit would impact the nations of the world globally? But Jesus is making this point. Christians, followers of Jesus, as he called them, can fall into deception. But how do people fall into deception? If we look at the patterns in the Bible, we can understand what happened in the past will happen in the future. It's happening right now. So the Bible tells us the very first time that humanity, mankind, was deceived happened in the Garden of Eden, right at the beginning of time. And you'll see that the way that Satan deceived them was that he used... God's own word against his people. Oh, my goodness. There's a word right there. Adam and Eve were there in the garden and completely just doing their own thing when Satan comes along in the form of a serpent, the Bible tells us. And then he asked Eve this question. He said, did God really say, or as King James said, did God surely say that you would die if you ate from any tree in the garden? Notice that there was a truth there because God, in fact, in fact Eve said this to him and responded, no, God said you could eat from any tree in the garden except for one, the one in the middle of the garden. And then that was the hook that Satan needed. It says, "No, no, no! You won't surely die." So there's a truth. You can't eat the fruit, but you won't surely die. Now there's a twisting of Scripture that's taking place. Now, sadly, we know what happened. Speaking of which, when I uh, when I go to Malaysia, the Asians tell me the story. They said, "You know, Pastor Paul, if if if." Asians were in the Garden of Eden. Sin would never come into the world. I said, how is that? Well, the Asians would have eaten the snake. Wait for it. You're welcome. <laughs> I love that one. I, I had to take it back. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11 and verses 14 to 15, and no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Isn't that incredible? We're thinking to ourselves back in the day, certainly people in my era, I mean, I know you won't believe this, but I was in in Indonesia at the time, but we had black and white TVs when I was growing up. And then color TVs, and now LED and LCD and pl- well, plasma before that. Crazy stuff. But back in the day, black and white TV. So the only way that the, the writers of stories on movies and, and uh, TV sitcoms could show you if, a, if the character was a good character, you know, a, a righteous character, or if it was an evil character, they wore white and they wore black, And that was the way to identify the difference, but we live in a world today where it's very difficult to tell between white and black. In fact, the characters, I love my superheroes, but the superheroes, the way they're portrayed today, are different from the way I grew up with. They they were the ones who were championing great values of being good to other people, and, and doing acts of kindness, and protecting the weak. But today, they're doing such a spin on these characters, it's hard to know. Are they actually evil? Are they good? Or the, the evil characters? You can see this hu- human side to them, and, and they prove to you that you should really agree with them. They're actually good people. Really believe It's so messed up. But the Word of God tells us there, there is good and that there is evil. And we have to go back to the original compass, to the Word of God, because Satan himself will masquerade as light. And then, to top it all off, Satan tries to deceive Jesus. I know, right? I mean, it's unbelievable. In the book of John, chapter 1, the Bible tells us that John says that Jesus was the Word, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and the Word was God, Theos. (laughs) The Word was God, the Word is God. So Jesus is the Theos, God, Logos, Word. He is perfect theology, Theos, Logos. And this God, the one who wrote the book, Satan is trying to come to him to try and convince him, hey, I'm going to try and mess you up with your own book. Really? To the author of the book? And so Satan says, if you really are the son of God, and we know that he's the son of God, then do this. In fact, Satan goes on with the second one. He says, it is written, because Jesus countered with, it is written. So here's the key. To counteract any deception of the enemy, go back to the Word of God. You've got to know the Word of God. Can I hear an amen right now in the chat if you agree with me? One thing I realize that with our discipleship classes and our foundations class, by the way, I'm starting a new one. Write me, connect at livecitychurch.com is that we haven't introduced the memorizing of Scripture. That was something I had to do growing up, and I want to tell you that those Scriptures that I grew up with, that I memorized, I still use to this day. And so Satan tries to say, It is written, and Jesus countered him. It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test, and shut him down. Come on, let's hear a praise and a shout-out for Jesus. Shut down the devil with the Word of God. But here's an interesting thought. Even if something is 95, 95% truth, but 5% lies, that is enough to throw us off course while blissfully believing we are still on the right path. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So immediately thinking, well, I'm not deceived. <laughs> i got news for you. The Bible's saying you've already fallen into deception. So the question you might be asking right now that I want to answer is, how can I avoid deception? So let me give you four keys to avoid deception because Jesus said, in the last days, we, many will fall into deception, but not you who are listening to this broadcast. Are you ready for it? Here's key number one. The Lord tells us that your heart will deceive you. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? How many times have you heard people say, or in the movies, you know, do what your heart tells you to do? No, Christian. No, the Bible says your heart is deceitful. I mean, I remember a time when I went to see my mentor many years ago. I've had many mentors since then. I have mentors today. But one of the first times I had just an amazing mentor. And I remember going to him. I was quite upset about something. I began sharing with him, and I told him these things. And he says, you know my heart. And he says, no, no, I don't know your heart. I said, oh, you, no, no, it's, it's a state, you know, it's just, you know, just trying to say, you, you know my heart, uh, Phil. He says, no, I don't know your heart. He says, but you know know me. He says, no, I don't know your heart. Your heart is deceitful above all things, and it is beyond cure. I don't know your heart. And I want to challenge you with this thought. We don't even know our heart, and we think if our heart is pure, it actually isn't at that point. So we have to humbly go back to the Lord. I mean, think about this for a moment. Judas, one of 12 disciples, hung out with Jesus So if you're thinking to yourself, well, only a bad teacher will cause people to fall into. No, no, no. Best teacher on the planet who ever walked the earth. Jesus himself, the Theos Logos, God himself incarnate, the word. Judas is hanging out with him. He's one of the 12 disciples. He is exposed to the most extraordinary teaching that anyone on the planet will hear. And God Jesus sends him with power and authority with all the other disciples to to heal all kinds of diseases and to cast out all demons. He did that. And yet the Bible tells us that he still fell into deception. And why did he fall into deception? Because he was disappointed with Jesus. Because he was offended with Jesus. Anyone been offended or disappointed with your church? I'm saying something, preaching something here right now. You might be in our church, you came from another church because you were disappointed or offended. Friends, brother, sister, truly, with all my heart, I love you. Deal with that and begin to pray and repent because we must be healed of those things. But Judas was offended, and the offense launched him into a place where eventually the Bible says Satan himself entered into Judas. Judas was not aware of the true depravity of his spiritual condition. So what's the fix to this? Write these things down. What's the first one? Your heart will deceive you. What's the fix? Examine yourself is number one. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not yet realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And here's the second fix for that one. Deny yourself and follow Jesus. Luke 9.23, Jesus said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow him. Let me tell you, if you are so busy following Jesus, you won't have time to sin. The times that we sin are the times when we have time to ourselves. Whoa, there's a word right there. Someone needs to say an amen. Said like, "Ouch, that hurts, Pastor." Here's key number two. How can you avoid deception? Key number two: Your friends can deceive you. One Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse thirty-three says, "Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts." Good character. I know you're going to try and fight this, but man, the Bible is telling you this. Bad company corrupts good character. If you're not strong in the Word of God, if you're not strong in your faith and you're befriending people that you're hoping to to bring into the kingdom, I think you've got another thing coming. You have to be strong in the Word and full of that love and that grace to be able to minister to your friends. Keep the friendships, by the way. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 5 says this. The plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. Some of you are looking for counsel from ungodly people. They may be wise in the eyes of the world. I understand that. But be very, very careful. Psalm chapter 1 uh, tells us, Blessed is a man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Go to godly counsel. So the fix is, choose friends who you want to be like. Choose friends who love God. Choose friends who know the Word of God because you become like them. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Just tell the person next to you, I ain't going to be no companion of fools today. (laughs) You might have to move away from the person sitting next to you. Key number three to avoid deception. False ministers, false apostles, false pastors, false prophets, false fill-in-the-blank can deceive you. Jesus talks about antichrist that will come up before the end will come. He talks about false prophets, many false prophets who will rise up to deceive many. I see a distinction here when Jesus talks about the two between straight-out cults, which is the latter one, and the ones who are saying, uh, that's the I am Christ, and with, uh, we're talking about false ministers, false apostles, false prophets, who will deceive and lead many into apostasy. So I'm using that word again. The word apostasy again means, according to the Greek, a defection, to defect or to revolt. Can I just say that they're revolting? You're welcome. So apostasy means defection or revolt and abandonment or renunciation of their religious beliefs. In other words, it's talking about professing believers who fall away and even turn against one another in shocking acts of spiritual treachery because a time will come and persecution breaks out. You will not want to associate. If you're, if you're not a Christian, not a follower, a true follower of Jesus, you might have been a Christian. But if you're not real and the pressure from the world comes on you, let me tell you, there will be persecution. In fact, this persecution today. Why don't you just go ahead and update your social media. Tell them, hey, I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. And see what happens. Find out who your real friends are. But let me tell you, there is, a, there is a soft persecution at work right now. There have been so many cults that have been raised up, uh, particularly in the 70s and the 80s, even till today. They were made more famous because of several deaths or crazy things that they did. But here's the thing that I, that I want to remind you of. In the midst, uh, in the 70s, 80s, when all these cults were being raised up, the power of God was at work, and revival was breaking out. Just remember that. In this passage, Jesus answers some of the questions about the end times. He says to them, many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. He says in verse 11, many false prophets will appear and deceive many. And for description of what they will do, Colossians 2 verse 8 says this, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition, think culture, okay, and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. When you've got a pastor that is starting to bring in cultural values of the world into the kingdom, into the Bible, we're in trouble. Can I just say this to you guys right now? This is why I encourage our church bring your Bible. So, look, I don't even bring my Bible. I bring my phone. i got my Bible on my phone with all my commentary. So, that's okay, too. But use the Word of God. Check these scriptures out that we're calling out to you. So, what's the fix for this deception? Here it is. Sit under biblically true ministers, true to the Word, who teach the whole gospel, not some of it, especially when it challenges you, and check what they're preaching with the word of God, Test the spirit. Here's some scripture for you. Acts 17 verse 11 says, now the Bereans were of more noble character. In other words, God values this. Why? Because they received the message with great eagerness, good, and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I remember when I first started preaching that in the church I was in as an associate pastor, many of the congregants there, many of the members were actually retired pastors or retired missionaries. Let me tell you, I was sweating profusely when I began ministry. And sure enough, they would come up after, after I preached in that first few periods to, to, to counteract what I'm saying. Then I said, no, the word says this. And I remember after a time, they realized, you got this, Pastor Paul. Praise the Lord, and I pray that I can stay true to the word. 1 John 4, verse 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit that is coming from the preacher, okay? But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I hope that you're challenged by the word. And I have some people saying, ouch, pastor. If you were in our church right now and we're live face-to-face, you'll hear some ouches going on in our congregation. And I challenge my church with this thought, hey, guys, If you're not being challenged, if you're not being provoked, then I'm not doing my job as a pastor. I want to challenge you and provoke you towards love and good deeds. And here's a fourth and final uh, tool to help you, to keep you from falling into deception. When you read, but don't do the Word. This is a big one that, let me tell you, this is a bomb. We often fail with this one in the church. And I want to challenge you, for those of you that call Life City Church home, this is something we must change, reading but not doing the Word. Listen to this, James chapter 1, verse 22. He says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. So let me put this together for you. He's saying, if you only read the word and don't do anything about it, you actually fall into deception. I didn't say it. He did. He says, do what it says. So what's the fix in just reading the word and not doing something about it? Do what the word of God says. John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Friends, we're coming to a time where it is imminent that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is returning. And the love of most, the Bible says here, will grow cold in that time because evil is being raised up, because people are choosing iniquity, wickedness. They know what's right, but they choose to do wicked, uh, evil things. And I'm talking about the church right now. I'm not even talking about people outside who don't know any better. People who know what is righteous and what is evil and go ahead and do evil. Jesus is coming soon. There has to be an accounting. We will have to give an accounting for what we did. And the great judge, when he comes back, he won't be gentle uh, Jesus, the lamb. He's going to be the lion of God, the judge. Can I encourage you this morning? This might be the first time you have heard the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You think, oh, my goodness, it's okay. He loves you so much that he's made a way out for you. He's made a way out for me. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus this morning, to respond to the Word, to make things right, to make sure that when Jesus comes back, man, I want to go with him. I want to avoid all that nasty stuff. I want to be with Jesus. If you agree with me, I want you to say this prayer with me. Perhaps you've said a prayer before, but today you know you're not living right with the Lord. You know that you're making those compromises. You know that you've chosen and you've become a worker of iniquity. You've chosen sin over righteousness. You've compromised in areas. Can I challenge you right now? Say this prayer with me out loud and mean it with all your heart as if your life depends on it. By the way, it does. So come on, let's say this prayer together out loud, everyone. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. And I'm sorry that I could not live up to your standards. You call that sin. But you took the punishment for my sin by dying on the cross for me. Jesus, forgive me my sins wash it away, and remove my guilt. Please fill me with your spirit so that I can live for you. If you said that prayer for the very first time, I want to say congratulations. You're very courageous. Can I ask you to do one more courageous act? Would you email me? Yes? at LiveCityChurch.com, just so we can continue this dialogue, this conversation a bit more. I want to lead you in your next steps and help you to grow strong in the Lord. Praise God. Thank you for tuning in today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and give you shalom.